Welcome to the Celebration Church Orlando podcast. We are so glad you've joined us, and we hope you are encouraged by today's message. And if you have your Bibles with you, join me in the book of Acts chapter 16. The book of Acts chapter 16. While you're turning out, I want to highlight this one passage of Scripture that I believe will give us some good context, and that's found in Proverbs 16, verse 9. I think it does a great job of setting the tone and the precedent that we're, what we're going to be talking about today. Here's what it says. The heart of a man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps. Just a powerful thought about how we have a lot of plans and things we want to do, but it's God that establishes our steps. Now skipping over to Acts chapter 16, here's what I want us to look at, looking at verse number 6. And when they went through the region of Phygaria and Galatia, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia, and when they had come to Mysia, they attempted to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. So passing by Mysia, they, they went down to Troas, and when the vision appeared before Paul in the night, a man of Macedonia was, was standing there, urging him, saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. And when Paul had seen a vision, immediately he sought to go out into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. Verse number 11. So setting sail from Troas, we made direct voyage to Samothrace and following the day uh, to Neopolis and from there to Philippi, which is a leading city in the district of Macedonia, a Roman colony. We remained in this city some days. It's such a it's such a powerful message that I think it fits perfectly with where we are as a church, but I also think it translates into our lives. Like, what do you, what do, you do when you have some well-intended plans and you feel like God is redirecting you? The writer Luke, he actually begins to walk us through, after we read this particular passage, he walks us through what happens while they're in Philippi. We also can pick that up in the book of Philippians where Paul then writes back to encourage them because when they went there, they planted that church, lives were changed, and they didn't even plan to do it, but it was a part of God's plans. I believe amazing things happen when we're sensitive to what God is directing us to do and we don't limit him to what we want to do. It's amazing what God can do when we cooperate with grace. Over the next few moments as we go into this a little bit, um, I want you to write this message title down, Scrub Your Plans. Just scrub your plans, guys. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for what you're doing in this place, God. And I, I pray over the next few moments that you give us open eyes to see you. I pray that you give us open ears that we can hear you, God, and open hearts that we can receive the truth that you speak to us. Father, we pray that you bless all that we do in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You see, most of us are, are, are likely familiar with this idea of when things don't go according to plan. We, we all kind of have these ideas and plans and things that we know they seem like a good idea, but there's these moments where sometimes it just, it just doesn't work out, and we, and we find ourselves trying to figure out, what do, we, what do we do with that? It could be something to the extent of, man, I, I went to college for this. I feel like I'm called to be a financial advisor. You kind of go into the process, but then at some point, whether before you graduate or after you graduate or even after you've been in a career, you feel like this shifting and the thing that you're doing now actually has nothing to do with what you initially had planned to do. We find this all the time. It's, it's just one of those things where I had this plan, but I feel like now I'm I'm going, in a, I'm going in a different direction. What, what am I supposed to, to do with that? We, we see it in things like that. We, we also see it in instances with things such as just simply, I don't know, like going on, going on vacation. Do I have anybody in here that when you go on vacation, you have like everything mapped out, where you need to go, how long you're going to be there? Let me, let me see your hands if you're one of those people that just maps out every moment of your vacation. Ten of you. Okay. I'm praying for you. God bless you. 
Like, and I, I mean that with all sincerity. God, like, God bless you because it's inevitable that while you're on vacation that things will come up that you didn't plan for. And if you're not careful, it'll begin to adjust your ability to have fun while you're on vacation because you didn't get a chance to go and see this one particular thing that you planned for. Like, when my family and I was in the process of moving here, many of you guys know we're, we're coming in from D.C., so for about two months, we're flying out of D.C., coming into Orlando, and then on Sunday nights, flying back to D.C., and then doing the whole thing. So we did that for about two months. And what was fascinating about that whole journey is that every time we would fly out, we would typically fly out on a, on a Friday or sometimes on a Saturday morning, depending what was going on. And it is inevitable that whenever somebody is flying from whatever city into Orlando, there is so much excitement at the airport. You see the little kids, they got their t-shirts on, everybody's all excited, they're playing the games, everybody's good, the family's happy, they're all looking forward to coming to this incredible environment, this amazing city, to have fun and everything's going to be good. But on the other side of that, when I'm flying back on Sunday night and people are leaving Orlando, going back to their regular lives, there is nothing but despair and depression and frustration. Somewhere in the middle between when they got to Orlando there were meltdowns that happened at the park they didn't anticipate because nothing will make you more frustrated than standing in line for two and a half hours for a 38-second ride. There's nothing that will cause a kid to melt down more than that. You have these moments where you have these instances that cause so much friction that it just bubbles up, and now the environment that they plan to go into to have so much fun, they're leaving frustrated, they're leaving annoyed. It's like Orlando's like the opposite of, like, Vegas, like, what happens here doesn't stay here. It comes back, and it leads to, like, marital counseling. Like, it's, it's like a thing. Real, like, real, real talk. So I've seen it. And so my wife and I would just like, like, you see it on a plane. Like, man, my God, like, these people are struggling. Like, I guess it wasn't the happiest place. Anyway, um, so it's one of those things that you just, happen, you just happen to see. But we all have been in those places where we've seen those meltdowns and the plans didn't go according to plan. And, and so for me, I used to think that it was just a matter of poor planning. If you plan better, if you did better, then you would get better results. That's just kind of the way that my mind works. But there's also, there's a little bit of comfort when I realize that even like rocket scientists fall prey to when things happen that they didn't plan for. So for, for me, man, I'm, I'm a big fan of NASA. I, I love the idea of space exploration. I love sci-fi movies. I love all that stuff. Like there's a great allure to like the vastness of what's out there. So because of that, like I, I thought that I wanted to be an astronaut for one season, like a black astronaut. Like I really felt like that was, I felt like that was what God was calling me to do until I realized how much math was required. And I said, well, that's not God. And so I went over to saying to myself, well, if I'm not going to go to space, I will serve the God who created it. Hello. So here I am. You're stuck with me on this platform. But it's a reality that I love. But nonetheless, I'm still very fascinated at NASA and things like that. So when we were living in D.C. just a couple years ago, there was like this shuttle launch that had been talked about because we could see it from our backyard. Like, hey, we could, we could be in our backyard early that morning. We could actually see the shuttle launch. So my family and I were all ready. It was a Saturday morning. We had, the, we had the coffee. We had the hot cocoa. We were all ready to be out there. And so as we were there, my wife downloads the NASA app, and we're listening to, like, Mission Control, talking to the guys on the space shuttle. It's all good. They get within that five-minute window. We're all anticipating. We're all excited. We're ready to go. We get inside that one-minute window. The breakdown is there. We're, we're talking. They're telling you about all the stuff that's going to happen. All the people that have traveled for miles are there. They're ready to watch this space shuttle launch. And within the 10-second window, they get to about second number six, and then all you hear is unidentified flying object enters airspace, abort, abort. Like, first of all, 
whenever I'm thinking of NASA and space and hear the words unidentified flying object, I'm immediately thinking Independence Day. Where's Will Smith? Like, is this an invasion of some sort? So I'm a little nervous about that because I didn't see aliens in scripture and now my theology is all messed up. So that's the first thing. But then the second thing is like, okay, like what's, what's going on? It turns out that this private plane, like it flew into this restricted airspace and because they didn't have like their radio on, they didn't get all the messaging telling them that they had to divert. So it literally flew into the airspace and it caused NASA to have to shut down their plans. Can, can you imagine something as insignificant as a small private plane flying into restricted airspace and that being the catalyst of all the planning, of all the strategy, of all the things they put into it being the thing that says that we got to shut this whole thing down. If you want to hear something that is so sad, it's the collective gasp of a bunch of NASA nerds upset because their plans didn't get executed that they thought was going to happen. There was like such despair and frustration and disappointment because they're like, we planned for this. And then they began to talk about this thing called the launch window. Because if, if I can be real with you for a moment, I'm thinking to myself, like, just let the plane fly by and let's, <laughs> let's just keep going. Like, what? Why, like, what's the big deal? The plane's not hovering over the spacecraft. Like, let it go, and then we'll launch on out there, and, and I don't see what five minutes means. But when I, I learned about the launch window, the way that launch windows work is that because of the Earth's gravitational pull and because of the way that our Earth rotates, that you have a brief window of when something that is leaving Earth can intersect with its counterpart in space. If you miss that window, what ends up happening is the space shuttle then has to burn all of its fuel and energy trying to catch up with the thing that has already passed them. I pause for effect, but I hope y'all are making a connection that I'm saying right now. How, how many of us have been at these spaces where we're spending all of our energy trying to catch up with the past? Like we're, I've, 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 missed, I've missed my launch window. I, I was in this relationship, and I, and I thought that this was the place that I was going to find happiness, but it fell apart, and, and now I'm spending energy and, and resources trying to catch up with a feeling that I feel like is long gone, and I'll never get it again. And, and every time that I feel like I'm within grasp, something happens, and it pulls me away, and it seems as if I've missed my launch window to ever experience true joy. I've, I've missed my launch window to ever really experience true peace. I've, I've missed my launch window to experience true happiness. I've missed my launch window to ever get married. Like, I, I wish I would have just compromised. I wish I would have just found a way to, to make it work. I wish I would have just found a way to, 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 to just deal with it because if I did, I would have intersected with my window of opportunity and I would be moving forward with my life. But now I'm exhausted, I'm burned out, and I still don't have peace. This is the place that many of us can find ourselves in, but I, I, I want to encourage somebody in here today. You will, you will never run fast enough to catch up with your past. You, you will never have enough resources to catch up with what already has gone by. And unfortunately, I've spent time talking to so many people where they are trying to get back to the glory days. They're trying to get back to the season that passed them. Unfortunately, I even end up sometimes sitting across from married couples who have now have two kids and a mortgage, and they are dealing with some drama, and they're saying to me, I just want to get back to how it was when we were in college. Brace yourself, that's never going to happen. Let me, let me pastor you. Why are we so busy romanticizing the past to the point that we end up cheating on our future? If, 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 God was, if God's best for us was when that was their season, then guess what? 
you would still be in that season. The reality of it is, is that God has moved you forward because he has more for you. But when we end up romanticizing what we used to have, when we're just trying to get back to the way that things used to be, we're actually missing the opportunity to step into what God wants them to be. What do we do in these moments when we feel like our best days are behind us? I've, I've had to learn this in my own life. There's been many things that I felt like had passed me by, but then God had to remind me of something. He says, Keith, do you, do you honestly look at what I did in your past and view that as a milestone or a tombstone? Because if I look at it as a tombstone, then I'm going to go back and visit the thing that used to be alive in my life, but there's no hope for the future. But if I look at it as a milestone, then I'll recognize that the same God that was with me then is the same God that was with me when I moved forward. And I can look back at what God has done in my past to propel me into my future. But I'm not going to stay there. I'm not going to linger there because God's not there. He's moving me into a new season. This is what I believe that God's challenging us with. And, and the truth of the matter is when we look at this passage of Scripture, we look at this idea. We have to understand that, that Paul had this mandate from God, that, that, that God had given him these instructions to go out and preach the gospel. So Paul being a methodical man, we see this in his character, we see this in his nature. In addition to that, we also see that with the life of Paul, that he's a man of prayer. So we have prayerful, planning Paul, who is in a position where God is leading him to go and share the gospel. I can imagine that as he's thinking through What's the best place for us to go and share the gospel? What's our mission field for us to go into? He begins to identify a map and say, okay, this makes sense for us. We have friends here. We have resources here. It's not that far from us. So what the Bible said is as Paul tries to go into Asia with the, with the message of freedom, it says that the Spirit of God forbid him from moving forward. Like, forbid. Like, that sounds like a, that's like a, King James word, like for, forbid? That's like something that I would say to my daughter if she was hanging out with the wrong friends. I forbid you from, like, it's, it's that weighty. It's like, it's like Gandalf saying, you shall not pass. Like, I mean, it's, it's, it's weighty to say, I forbid you from doing this. Paul's planning and best intentions was met with this profound resistance from God. God said, I forbid you from going into this area. So what Paul does is he redirects. Okay, I, I can't go into Asia, but I'll, I'll go north. So the Bible tells us that Paul steps out on this journey. It's a 200-mile journey on foot. No air conditioning, no air Jordans, just, just Paul and three dudes just walking in the heat of the day. But I can imagine as they're on this journey, they're thinking to themselves, like, man, once we get up here, God's going to move. The Holy Spirit's going to move. Like, we're going to see all these things happen, man. We're going we're gonna to post it on Instagram, man. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be fire. Like, it's going to be lit. We're going to see the kingdom of God advance because it makes sense for us to go into this area because there's a lot of lost people. There's a lot of people that are struggling. Of course, God is sending us here. They walk 200 miles. Many believe it's about three weeks long for them to take this journey on foot. And they get there. And when they get to the threshold about to walk into that environment, the Bible says that the spirit of Jesus stopped them from moving forward. On two occasions, Paul made an effort to go into these different areas that he prayed about, that he thought about, that he made a plan for, only to get there and for God to stop him from moving forward. I mean, like the spirit of God, not, not 
like the same wind that, that blew on Adam and he became a living soul, that, that spirit of God, the same spirit of God that, that breathed on the bread sea and it, and, it, and it parted and it became dry ground so that the Israelites could pass through it, that, that same spirit, the same spirit of God that, that breathed on Ezekiel and the dry bones and, and it became an exceeding greater, like that spirit, like the spirit of God that imparts life is keeping Paul from moving forward with what he feels his life is called to do. What, what do you do when you feel like God is opposing what you feel called to do, and he's the one who gave you the call to do it. See, my, my wife and I, we've, we've been trying to move to Orlando for 20 years. I said that in one service, and somebody was like, why? <laughs> I'm trying to get out of here. Um, but seriously, like, when we, we did our honeymoon here 20, 20 years ago, and when we did our honeymoon here, we're like, man, like, we love this city. We want to we wanna move here. Okay, let's put some things in place and begin to plan and to move forward. We, we get back home, and we literally felt like there was this obstacle, not like just, oh, can you find a job? Can you? It was like, like something was keeping us from moving forward. A few years later, we end up moving to Jacksonville, Florida instead, and, 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 and God's moving. We're at Celebration Church. Things are going great. But then when this church was merely an, an idea in and, and Pastor Josh Turner's, Turner's mind, we had a conversation. I said, man, I want to come down and be a part of it more than five years ago. So you know what I did? I, I began to move some things around. We're going we're gonna to go to Celebration Orlando. We're going to help plant this thing and get this thing up and going. And when we began to make these plans, it was like God was stopping us. It, it makes sense. We prayed about it. We came up with a plan for it. Why, why would God not want us to be a part of it? We, we, we just met all this, this resistance, that, that same wind that began to, to blow that keep us from moving forward. Then, two years ago, we, like, at this point, we knew that it was timing. We, we had already begun to do house shopping here. We had picked out what school my son was going to go to. All these things were already perfectly lined up and worked out. We knew that it was the hand of God. And as we began to pray about it, I remember there was this moment where, where Pastor Stovall said, hey, Keith, like, there's a church up in D.C., and um, they're going through a leadership change. Would you mind going up there and preaching one Sunday? That's all I'm asking you to do, April 26th. Sure. I had already came down here and was already in the process of finding my home. I go up to D.C., and as I'm up there preaching, and I'm going to tell you guys, I was killing it. It was, <laughs> it was, it was going well. Holy Spirit was all over that message. Um, but God's moving. Things are going great. But then there was this one statement. I still remember it just as vividly as I'm talking to you now. As I was sharing this thought, the Holy Spirit just reminded me of something. I said this. I said, God is challenging some of us not to settle for the familiar. As I said those words, God then turned those words around as a boomerang to say, um, hello, if you go in your own strength, that's exactly what you're doing. Orlando's in your future, but it's just not now. I, I had to then back up, call my wife and say, hey, um, so I know we thought we were going to like go to Orlando, but guess what? God's calling us to D.C. Um, but, here, but here's what I know. Every time God has redirected us, we've seen God do some incredible things through us. We have to be mindful that when we invite the breath of God to breathe on our plans, that occasionally he will blow them off the desk. And, and, and when he does, we have to be okay with saying, okay, this was my plans, but God has redirected me into a different direction. What I'm telling you is that there's these things in our lives that sometimes we're saying, God, can you breathe on this? Can you breathe on my marriage, God? I want you to resuscitate. I want you to give us fresh life. And God is like, okay, I'm going to do that, but it's going to redirect everything you thought you were supposed to do. 
You're going you're gonna to have to start serving different. You're going to start thinking different. You're going to have to position yourself in a, in a different group of friends. If you really want my breath on your, if you want me to breathe on your marriage, if you want me to breathe on your finances, if you want me to breathe on your life, it's going to challenge you to get a little off course of what you planned on doing if you really want to see me move in it. I, I've had to learn this valuable lesson that maybe, maybe God's not keeping me from something, but he's keeping me for something. It's, it's these moments that we come to where we realize that maybe God is, is up to something that I just, that I just don't see. See, what the Bible says is that when Paul has his plans redirected, when he has his plans shifted, that he ends up going back down south, going right back to the place that he had ultimately started at. While he was there, it was the nighttime, and it was there that he got the vision of what God was compelling him to do. Let me, let me pause here for a moment to, to give you some context. Paul had prayed, planned, processed what his next steps were going to be, traveled 200 miles Still had no. Went back to where he started from, and while he was right back to where he started from, in the night season is when he had a vision from God. Let me encourage somebody in here. Maybe you are wondering to yourself, Keith, I'm aware of what God doesn't want me to do, but I'm still unclear of what he wants me to do. What, what do you do when, when God is very clear about no, but he's silent with the yes? Here's what I want to challenge you to do. Go back to the last place that you heard from God and wait. Just wait. We, we often find ourselves at moments where we begin to operate in our plans. We begin to do our own thing. And before long, we distance ourselves from the last time that we heard from God, that as God is speaking at the place that we're supposed to be, we're not in earshot to hear it. But if I can get back to the place that God had told me to be at, that maybe then I could begin to hear from God more clearly on the place that he wants me to go. Is it, is it possible that the reason why you haven't made it to your destination is because you're supposed to have more passengers? The only, the only thing I got to tell you is this. Go with God. And whatever you do, make sure you, you go with God. You see, even for Mary and, 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 and Joseph, that when they came into town to, to worship at Passover, they had begun on a journey to go home. But they couldn't make it to their destination because when they looked into their rearview mirror, they didn't see baby Jesus sitting in the car seat. They, they had to go back because you will only make it so far if you don't go with God. It's amazing what God can do when we go with God. And, and I'm not talking about God going with us. There's a difference between me saying, God, I'm going into this environment. I'm going to bring you with me. There, there's a difference between me saying, God, I'm going to, I'm going to take this job, and I'm believing that, that you're going to be with me while I'm here. There, there's a difference when you do that because it means that you've put yourself in front of God, and now we're simply asking God to clean up the messes that we make because he's behind us. But, but when we go with God, it means that I have to reposition myself that I am actually following God, and wherever God is leading me is where I will go. Because with God, anything is possible. You see, with, with God, Gideon can take only 300 men and defeat an army of thousands because he's doing it with God. But if I'm doing it in my own strength and my strategy and my efforts will never be enough for me to be victorious. But if I can, but if I can just go with God. With God, we see a little shepherd boy named David who was never even invited to be anointed, but God came and found him, and then that little shepherd boy ended up becoming the king that even eternity's Christ is going to be built on and named after him. With God, it's amazing what you can do when you simply say, I'm going to go with God. 
With, with God, you could see a, a man named Abraham who, who tried to reproduce in his own strength and it wasn't successful. But the moment that he surrendered himself, this 100-year-old man and his 90-year-old wife was able to reproduce a legacy that radically changed the face of faith because he decided to do it with God. It's amazing what we can do when we decide to go with God. My, my only thought for you today is this. Whatever you do, whatever you plan, go with God. Because when I go with God, it means that I am following God. And when I am following God, I can see the history of God. Let me explain what I mean. The Bible tells us in Exodus that the glory of God passed in front of Moses and he was able to see his backside, his hinder parts, or his history. So when Moses was following God, he got a really clear glimpse of what God has done in the past. And when you understand the Bible the way that Moses has, and you get it in your heart, you begin to say that when I go with God, I can recognize and see that God has done it for them, and he will do it for me. So the same God that breathed on Adam is the same God that's breathing on my situation. The same God that spoke light is the same God that will speak light into my situation. The same God that is moving on the behalf of the Israelites is the same God that is moving on behalf of me because I made a decision to go with God. See, when you go with God, you have the proper perspective and recognizing that Jesus has your back. I mean that literally. Because when I have the proper perspective of the back of Jesus, I can see the stripes on his back. I can see the pain that he endured. I can see that and recognize that that should have been me. But by his stripes, I am healed. So that means that when I'm with God, I can follow and see that Jesus has already walked this path for me so I may be walking through the valley of the shadow of death, but I have nothing to fear because God is with me because I've decided that I am only going to go with God. I'm not going to go in my own strength. I'm not going to go in my own wisdom. I'm not going to go in my own effort, but I am going to go with God. See, the fascinating thing with this whole story is that after Paul gets his revelation at the night season of seeing where God was leading him to go, the text tells us that he immediately leaves and he makes it to his final destination in two days. Let me, let me give you a little bit of Bible math because in Acts chapter 20, we hear about Paul making that exact same journey and it actually took him five days to get there. It's, it's amazing how when we are going with God, how quickly we can get to our destination. What took him five days when his assignment was up, God got him there in less than half the time. And what I believe for many of us, you're wondering, it's just gonna to take too much time. I, I know where God is leading me to go, but it's gonna take too much time. It's gonna to take too much energy. It's gonna to take too much resources. Let me encourage you by the life of Paul. God can get you there in half the time if you're willing to be aligned to what he's leading you to do. Because there's a nothing that can stop you when you decide to go with God. You know, in, in retrospect, when I, when I think about this whole shuttle launch being scrubbed and all that, it just, it blows my mind to kind of think about how something so small flying into the airspace has the ability of shutting down these magnanimous plans. And, and when, I think about, when I think about plans, I realize that we have plans, God has plans, but, but the enemy also has a plan. The Bible tells us in the Gospel of John chapter 10 that the thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. That's the devil's mission statement. That's, that's, that's exactly what he tries to do every day in your life. The other end of that statement is Jesus saying, 
but I have come so that you can have life to the fullest. Jesus came so that we can have life. That's, God, that's God's plan. The enemy is trying to bring us death. That's his plan. In the middle is the life that we live. What's fascinating to me is that the enemy's plan, it's a huge plan, it's intricate. Allowing you to be raised in a, an abandoned home, uh, allowing you to, to have less than ideal circumstances, the, the plan to, to lead you to a place of despair. But, but somehow this, this small plan that God has of using a, a perfect man born of a virgin, that, that somehow that, that small plan, that, that small plan of him living a, a perfect life and, 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 and doing everything that he was assigned to do as his father, that, that small plan, that, that small plan of him going to the cross and literally carrying all the sins of the world on his shoulders, both past, present, and future, that small plan, that small plan of one man that when he died on the cross and uttered, it is finished, that small plan was enough to shut down the enemy's plan. It's amazing what God can do with the small things in life. I like to put it this way, that grace flew into the airspace and shut down the enemy's plans. We see this down through all scripture where we see that the enemy shows up and he's trying to kill Jesus when he was an infant. Maybe the reason why you're facing so much hell is because the enemy knows that heaven is on the inside of you. But the beautiful thing is that grace flew into the airspace and shut down the enemy's plan. That even when they tried to kill Jesus when he was a baby, the grace of God covered him. When we look at the infant Moses, the Bible tells us that he was supposed to be killed while he was a baby, but he was saved, preserved, and ended up saving over two million people because grace flew into the airspace and shut down the enemy's plans. I'm talking to the individual in here right now that has struggled with addiction, and you're wondering, why am I still here? I should be dead a long time ago. It's because grace flew into the airspace and shut down the enemy's plans. The devil has already hit you with his best shot, and guess what? You are still here because grace flew into the airspace that shut down the enemy's plan. For the person that is wondering, why is my marriage still here? Because grace flew into the airspace that shut down the enemy's plan. For the person who should be dead because of that sickness, you are still here because grace flew into the airspace and shut down the enemy's plan. I'm talking about the person that is waiting for their child to get saved and you're wondering if they're okay. Yes, they are because grace flew into the airspace and shut down the enemy's plan. Thank you for tuning in to today's podcast. For more information about Celebration Orlando or to get in touch with us, please visit celebrationorlando.org.